I like to eat Snicker bars. I have to confess. And uh, every Wednesday night, I've got a ritual. I get me a, an extra-large Snicker bar. Is that an extra-large artery clot? I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, I get one of those things. And I, I've noticed one of the um, commercials that's out lately about the Snicker bars, uh, and it says, like, cranky or grumpy or whatever, and then you eat a Snicker bar, and all of a sudden, your attitude is completely different. Uh, some of you may have experienced that, uh, but what I want to talk to you about today is, is about God's work in us. It's a whole lot better than a snicker bar. Uh, it is a life-changing work that God does within each heart. Uh, who puts, every one of us who puts our trust in Jesus Christ is changed from the inside out, but God doesn't stop there. God continues to work in our life throughout our spiritual growth. Um, and he supplies what we need. He satisfies the needs of our soul. And so Jesus is, is speaking in the scripture, and he says, I'm the bread of life. And, and he talks about Moses. And some of you may remember in the Old Testament when the Israelites were going through the wilderness that God miraculously supplied them with bread from heaven each day to eat uh, so that they could be sustained in the wilderness. And Jesus says, yes, Moses, Moses was not really the one who gave you bread. God gave you bread from heaven. But he said, I want you to know I am the true bread from heaven. I'm the one that God has given you uh, so that your very needs of your soul may be satisfied through a relationship with me. But not only that, but Jesus begins to talk about what God the Father does in the work of salvation and how he blesses us in that work. And he mentions several things that he does. And so that's what we're going to hone in on. We're going to read the, the chapter, uh, not the whole chapter, but a section of the chapter. And some of it we're going to leave. The bread of life discourse and so forth we're going to, going to just use as a backdrop. But <clears throat> we're going to focus on the section that speaks about what God does for us as believers. And I believe we need to thank and praise God Every day for the good things that he has done for us. And also, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to begin a relationship with him today. So turn with me to John chapter 6 and verse 22. John chapter 6 and verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea knew that there had been only one boat. They also knew that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord gave thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. <coughs> When they found him on the other side, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I assure you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set a seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. 
What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I assure you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet do not believe. (coughs) Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Therefore the Jews started complaining about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered, stop complaining among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that came down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The title of my message is Appreciating God's Gracious Work. So, what does the Father do for us? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that He draws us. He draws us. In verse 44, He says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So, what is He saying here? God the Father draws people. To put their faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, there is a work that he does on the inside of each human heart to try to invite people to him. So, if you and I were left to ourselves, the scripture says there's no one who would seek after God. But God in his grace and his love has reached out to us. And at different times, I know um, I can remember when God began to work in my life. uh, I was 10 years old. And I heard a message called Religion Versus Repentance, and God began to deal with my heart. And it was like he put his finger right on what he was talking about, said, that is you, Roger, you need to be saved. And I knew that God was working in my life. But uh, he draws us. And, And some of you may have experienced that. You may have experienced God's drawing. If you're a Christian, you have. Anybody that has a desire to come to faith in Jesus Christ has been drawn by God. That desire 
even that ability to give your heart to Christ has come from God. Some of you have not yet trusted Christ, but you are experiencing that drawing work in your heart. There's a tugging on your heart when uh, the invitation time comes, or maybe during the message, there's this tugging in your heart, and you sense that you need to make a decision. That is God's working in your life. That is the drawing work of the Holy Spirit. And so when you sense that, you need to respond to it. He is drawing you to himself. God is gentle. He is a gentleman. And he will not force you to be saved, but he will draw you. And he will woo you to himself. Uh, what, a, what an amazing privilege. Some of you may not be experiencing that yet. But I believe there will be a time in every person's life where God begins to do a work in their heart to draw them to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So that means we need to have mercy on people who are out in the world who oppose us, who may say things against us. Why? Because God has to, has to open the eyes to the truth. God has to draw them with his spirit before they can make that decision. And so what we need to do is pray for them and love them and seek to reach out to them um, and, and let God use us to be an instrument in his beginning that work of drawing people to them to himself. But don't be a, a surprise when certain people won't come to faith in Christ because no one of us can without the work of the Father drawing us to himself. I remember when I, Sherry and I began to date, um, I would take her out for, for a meal or, or take her to a movie or whatever. And we would, um, I would do things for her. Why? I, well, I love her. And, um, and so I would, I would try to woo her. You know what I'm saying? And uh, try to get her to be convinced. And ultimately, I asked her to marry me. And she said yes. <laughs> and so uh, uh, that's kind of the idea. Listen, God is drawing you to faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you are sensing that in your spirit, and you need to respond to it. That is a blessing of God. The scripture says, my spirit will not always strive with man. So there, God is slow to anger, abounding in love, and rich in mercy. But don't take it for granted. Because there may be a day, uh, if you continue to resist God in that, that his spirit will stop working, that God will stop drawing, and he'll leave you to your own devices. And that's a, that's a terrible thing. So God draws us. Thank him. Praise him for that. I don't know if you ever think about that, but thank God that he drew you to faith in Jesus Christ. Thank God that somebody told you about Jesus. Thank God that you were in a service maybe where you heard the gospel or that some friend cared enough to tell you about Jesus. Thank God for that because if it were not for God's gracious work, we would all be forever lost. Thank him and praise him for his goodness. And if you don't yet know him, respond to him by surrendering your life and putting your trust in Jesus. The Bible says Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And that uh, he died to bring men to God. He died to, to bring you into relationship with him. And because of what Jesus did, when you surrender to him and put your trust in him, God will forgive you and he'll save your soul. It's a wonderful thing.
Thank him for it. Praise him for it. And if you haven't yet made that decision, make that decision and give your life to him. So, uh, appreciating God's gracious work, what work does he do? Does he, do? he draws us. Secondly, he teaches us. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Now, he's speaking of the people of God here in the Old Testament. Uh, and now he's quoting this to apply it to Jesus' work. Isn't it interesting? Some people say, well, God only draws certain people. But I don't believe that. He says, and they will all be taught by God. But guess what? Even though God draws every person, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't force us to respond to that drawing. We have to make a personal choice. And so, um, but, but he does teach us. And so that's something that we need to praise and thank him for as well. Uh, he continues to teach us. He not only teaches us the gospel. You've got to understand what the gospel is, right? That's part of the process of coming to faith in Christ. If you don't understand that Jesus, I like that song, tell me the old, old story. Why? Because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross as our substitute and he rose again and the Bible says he's ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's coming again and that if we will surrender our lives and put our trust in Jesus Christ, he'll save our soul. That's the message of the gospel. There's a content. Yes, it's simple. A child can understand uh, some of these, these basic truths of how to come to faith in Jesus. And yet, God doesn't stop teaching us at salvation. He continues to teach us throughout our Christian life. I'm so grateful for that. Um, he teaches us wisdom. It, one, of the, one of the neat things about Scripture is very practical. Uh, read the book of Proverbs. It is an amazingly practical book about just how to live life in, in, a, uh, in the way that God has designed it to be lived and, and how to have wisdom in, in the way that you interact with people and the way that you uh, do your work at your workplace and how you respond to other people and all of these things, very practical. God teaches us these things and how to live a practical, good life. But also, he teaches us how to walk in the Spirit. He, t- he gives us instruction because, let's face it, you and I can't live this Christian life on our own. We just don't have the ability to do it. And so God teaches us through his word, through his spirit, through the ministry of other Christians, how to grow in our walk with him. He teaches us about his character. Uh, You want a a neat study, study the names of God. That's that's a profound study. All the ways that God has revealed himself. Uh, So God teaches us in all these different things. He teaches us about how to pray. Uh, So all of these things are the work of God. He continues to teach us. And he has sent us the Holy Spirit to live within us, who is our teacher. He said he will teach you. He will guide you in to all truth. And so he's given us his word. This is why you need to be in the word of God. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because this is the teaching of God for us. And uh, also, he takes this word and applies it to our life through the Holy Spirit. That's a great blessing. Um, Have you ever been taught how to change the oil in your car? Um, I remember getting taught how to do that. Uh, Maybe you were taught how to sew if you're a lady. You might have been taught how to sew and make clothes or taught how to cook. Aren't we glad for that? Praise God. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, I thought I'd get an amen out of that one. Uh, but uh, we're taught all different kinds of things in life, and that's a blessing to us. It helps us function in life. Aren't you glad that God hasn't left us without an instruction booklet on how to live life and how to, to walk in the life that he intended? Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. He has given us the teaching and the instruction God the Father has so that we can live the life he intended. So, uh, praise him and thank him for it. If God shows you something in his word, praise God for it. If you hear something in your Sunday school lesson or in a message that, that blesses you, encourages you, thank God for it. Uh, praise him for the great work of teaching that he does in your life. It's an incredible blessing. Now, if you are not taking advantage of God's teaching work, how do you do that? Well, one way is by coming to church. The Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but encourage one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So God says, listen, you need to come to God's house. Why? Because you get encouraged there. You get help there. You get teaching there. You get instruction and, and, and prayer and all of these things so that you can grow in your walk with God. So that's one of the ways you get teaching. Uh, another way is through daily time spent in God's Word. We have a great blessing in our culture that most of us can read. Um, and so, it, you know, you got that ability. You Get a Bible. Be in the Word of God. If you don't have one, let us know. We'll get you one, okay? If you can't afford one, we, we want you to have one. Um, spend regular daily time in God's Word and ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you. As you spend time in his word. And he will teach you in life. Um, sometimes uh, people give a, a challenge. Encouragement to a person who's lost. I've heard it called the 30 day challenge. Of reading through the gospel of John. And with a submiss submissive surrendered heart. To do what it says. And to ask God to speak to you. If you're lost. And if you come with a surrendered heart. And you spend 30 days in the gospel of John. The Holy Spirit of God will speak to your heart. And he'll draw you to faith. Listen, I want you to know there is power in the teaching work of God. So take advantage of it. Be in God's word. Be in God's house. Take advantage of the opportunities that you have to hear from God. There's no greater blessing. I, one, of the, one of the most fearful things that I've ever heard in scripture, that it was, it was a judgment upon the people of Israel. God said, you will have a famine, not of food or uh, of water, but you'll have a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. What a tragedy. We have God's word. Take advantage of this great, incredible blessing. Uh, a couple of years back, we had a thing called uh, um, Transformed. Uh, and we, were, we read through the Bible together as a church. Many of you did that uh, with us. We gave you an opportunity to sign up. And several of you gave me feedback about how God worked in your life through spending that regular daily time with God. Don't neglect that. That will be a blessing to your life. Um, and it will increase. It's one of those things. Have you ever heard you get what you pay for? That's true. We, we're saved by grace. We're not saved because we do something or we pay something. But it is true that when you put the effort in to being in God's Word on a regular basis, yes, God will be, speak to you in the beginning, but it gets better from there. 
And as you put that effort in, as you pay the price of regularly, daily spending time in God's Word, what you will find is there will be a snowball effect. That's provided you have a surrendered heart to God. There will be a snowball effect. And you will find that God's Word becomes richer and sweeter and better the more that you spend time in His Word. Um, Somebody once said that uh, your body adjusts to the taste of what you need to survive. And I, I think my son was talking to me about that. He likes to watch stuff like that. And uh, they were talking about how these people get stranded on these boats and out in, out in the ocean and how they, they will eat these fish raw. And it uh, sounds nasty to me. And I know some of you probably eat sushi and you say, Preacher, you need to get with the program. But I'm sorry, raw fish sounds gross to me. Anyway... Uh, they were talking about how they develop a taste for this fish because their body needs this fish, and so they begin to like it. And I was thinking about that in terms of Scripture. I think, yes, God gives you a hunger to be in His Word, I think, when you, be, when you come to Christ. But it just gets better. The more you're in God's Word, the more you love it. It's a snowball effect. And so put that effort in. Uh, and uh, reap the rich reward of encouragement, instruction, correction, sometimes, yes, rebuke that's uncomfortable, but reap the benefit of God's teaching. So, uh, appreciating God's gracious work, what does he do? He draws us. Secondly, he teaches us. Thirdly, he feeds us. Look at verse 50. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it And not die. Jesus is talking about himself. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that manna in the Old Testament was meant to be a picture of me. That God was going to send bread that would give life in a different form. In the form of a human being who would be born of a virgin girl. Who would meet and satisfy the hunger of men's souls. And so he's saying, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Now, when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, it's as though you're eating the bread. That's why we have communion. Uh, Jesus later on broke the bread at the Passover and passed the wine at the Passover. And he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till it comes. And so Jesus is, is saying, this is a picture of me. My broken body on the cross, the blood that was shed at the cross. Uh, but it's not enough just for you to know that. You need to receive me into your life by faith in what I have promised I'll do. I'm giving you eternal life. And so um, he's saying, take and eat. And partake. Now they, they got confused. They thought he was talking about cannibalism. Uh, said, "What? What? You, can, can we eat his flesh and drink his blood? What is he talking about here?" They got confused. But Jesus wanted to give them a vivid picture of what it meant. It was not enough just to listen to Jesus. No, they had to receive everything he he represented. They had to surrender their life to follow him. Put their trust in him. Because, it, you know, a lot of people, they just want a little bit of, of association with Jesus. You know, 
you know, I come to church on Sunday, maybe I feel good, and you know, have a little warm fuzzy, you know, hopefully in my heart. And, uh, or maybe I'll uh, spend some time around uh, the things of God because it's, it's good. I like the morality of it or whatever it may be. But some people just really don't want to surrender to Jesus. But Jesus called for surrender. Jesus said, if a man loses his life for my sake, he'll find it. So Jesus is saying, I want you to do more than just have a surface relationship with me. I want you to surrender everything you are to follow me. I want you to put your trust in me. I want you to sell out to following me. That's what he's talking about. But as they receive Christ and they surrender and they put their trust, all of these things, what they're doing is they're literally receiving the very thing that satisfies the hunger in their soul. Now, God feeds us through his son. Did you know that every blessing that you have as a child of God comes to you for one reason and one reason only? It's because Jesus merited it in your place. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. Jesus deserved it. And God blesses us when we put our trust in Christ on the basis of Jesus' perfect goodness and righteousness. The Bible calls that justification. Justified by his blood. And so God begins, I can, I can have a relationship with God. I can have the peace that passes understanding as I walk in submission to Christ and follow him. I can have the joy unspeakable and full of glory. I can know what it means to relate to God, to have my sins forgiven and buried in the sea of forgetfulness. I can know all these things, not because I deserve it, but because Christ deserved it in my place. So that when I surrender to him and I put my trust in him, God changes me and satisfies the deepest hunger of my soul. That's what he's saying. But I've got good news for you. It never stops. It's eternal life. Now that's true. It's a gift. Of, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, it's true that when you're saved, once saved, always saved, eternal life is eternal. There's that part of it, okay? And, and, but that's not what I'm emphasizing here. I believe it's included in what he's saying here. But what he's saying is, this is a life that can be consistent in your life. This is a blessing, a relationship that can satisfy the deepest needs of your heart on a regular basis. You say, well, well Pastor, I'm a, I'm a child of God, and I don't have joy, and I don't have peace, and I, I'm not uh, uh, walking closely with God. Well, it's kind of like the one person says, God hasn't moved. We move away from God, but he doesn't move away from us as his children. And, and so that sin will become a barrier in your life. You need to confess that and ask to give you a, God to give you a heart of repentance so that you can follow closely after him and walk in the fullness of of eternal life. Um, you, you can have eternal life but not enjoy the benefits, right? Uh, some of you may have bass boats, right? You got a bass boat. If you never take it out on the lake, it doesn't do you any good. Yes, it's yours, but you're not taking it out on the lake, right? You're not enjoying it. Doesn't do you any good just sitting in the garage. Maybe some of you sold your bass boat because it kept sitting in the garage. You're like, why am I paying for this thing? I'm not getting the benefit from it. Many people do that with Christ. They become a Christian. 
but they kind of let the bass boat sit in the garage. They don't follow Christ wholeheartedly. They don't surrender to him. And, and rate, as Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. There's, there's not this attitude in their hearts. So they don't live in the fullness of what they have. So God feeds us when you become a Christian, but also consistently as you surrender to him and follow him in your Christian life. He'll feed you spiritually. I can't tell you how many times I have, have just been kind of whipped by life or, or uh, kind of felt emotionally drained and I've come to the Word of God or I've come to God's house and listened to a message or I, I've worshipped God with music and, and, and God begins to feed me with His presence. And he, he restores me. I like what Psalmist says, He restores my soul. He restores me. He lifts me up. He satisfies that need in my soul, and then there's peace. That's what God wants to do for us every day as his children. He feeds us. It's a great blessing of God. And it, you'll never deserve it. You'll never merit it. Christ deserved it on your behalf. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Thank God and praise him that he feeds us spiritually. By the way, did you know? I believe that's one reason that people are in such a messed up state in our country. Because God has been relegated to the sideline. People say, we don't want God in our national life. And many people have thrust God out of their life. And so the very thing that God intended to satisfy the deepest hunger of their soul, they've pushed to the side. And so they're trying to fill it with all these other things. They're trying, some are trying to fill it with drugs or alcohol or sex or could be anything but but they're trying all these different things what will satisfy what will satisfy let me tell you there's only one thing that satisfies ultimately and consistently in your life and that's Jesus Christ he feeds us um, so thank God and praise him if you're his child for for that work and, and take advantage of it by confessing your sin asking God to give you a heart of repentance and following him so what does God do for us? His gracious work. He draws us. He teaches us. He feeds us. And finally, he provides for us. Jesus, in verse 51, says, The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, I know that God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. That's Old Testament, right? He's our provider. The scripture tells us a story that God told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, up on this mountain. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham went. And, you know, Isaac is a teenager by this time, and so he's kind of thinking, well, something's, something's not right here. We don't have a sacrificial animal. We've got everything else, but we don't have that. So he asked him, where's the, where's the lamb? Where's the, he says, God will provide a lamb. So he gets up there, and, and Isaac submits to this. He ties him up. He puts him on the altar. He raises the knife. And God says, hold on, Abraham. And he says, now I know that you fear me. By the way, God is never for human sacrifice. He later on made that into a law with Moses. But that's get off track. But God stopped him, and then he saw a ram in the thicket. 
And they offered the ram in place of Isaac. That ram was a picture of Jesus Christ. You see, our greatest need was not the food that we eat or the clothes that we wear or the house where we live. Our greatest need was eternal salvation. And it could only be provided one way. God so loved the world that he gave his son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus went and he was beaten and he was spit upon and he was nailed to a cross and he died bearing the wrath of God for your sin and for mine, took the justice of God upon, our, upon himself. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly just like Isaac did. I lay it down with, and, it, and three days later, Jesus rose. And so what God sent Jesus Christ, he provides for us. I want to tell you something. If you have nothing else that God provides for you but Jesus, you are supremely blessed. Thank and praise God for his rich blessing in Jesus Christ. Think about what God did in providing for us. Jesus was, yes, we're adopted sons and daughters. Those of us who've trusted Christ, we're adopted sons and daughters of God. We've been adopted into his family, but Jesus is a son of a different kind. Jesus is the one and only son because he is fully God in his essence. In eternity past, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit had relationship. But on the cross, that relationship was broken. The best that God had to offer was Jesus Christ. The best that heaven had to offer. If there was anything that God could have offered, nothing else would have been as great. The cattle on a thousand hills wouldn't have been as great. Nothing that God could give us could be as great as the gift that he gave us. He gave us his son. He provides for us. I want you to know that some, I hear sometimes people will say, well, why is there just one way to salvation? Why can't other, other ways be okay? And that wouldn't God kind of grade on a curb? And wouldn't he not really care as long as you're trying? And would he not care about uh, what religion you choose? Let me tell you why God cares. Because, first of all, there's only one way you can be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There was just one way. So there's only one possible way. But think about this as well. If God gave you the very best that he had, don't you think he might take it personally if you trample over the blood of his precious son that he gave? And you say, you know what? I don't like that way called Jesus, that way called Christianity. I don't like that. I'm going to choose a different way. You're rejecting the very blood of God's own son. Tragic. Listen, God has provided the way. And he has said, just as he earlier said in the scripture we read about but haven't commented on much, he said, whoever will may come. Whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Look at verse 40. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What's he talking about? 
When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, which is that surrendering and that receiving of the gift of salvation that Jesus has bought and paid for for you on the cross. When you do that, you become God's child. Eternal life begins in your soul and will never stop. To be absent from the body is to be present instantaneously with the Lord. Your spirit goes instantaneously to be with God when you die. However, it doesn't stop there. The Bible says there will be a day when God will give the command and Jesus will come down with a shout. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's going to be a resurrection. I will raise him up at the last day. See, that's the provision that Jesus... This is the thing. Paul said this. I am crucified with Christ, yet I no longer live. Or, but see, nevertheless I live. I'm sorry. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That resurrection power enables us to live for Jesus now. But it doesn't stop there. The provision that God gave us in his son, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. The first one to ever raise from the dead to never die. And one day you and I will be raised with resurrection, perfect, glorified bodies to never die again. It's a provision. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the resurrection. God gave the best that he had because only Jesus could do what was accomplished at the cross and at the empty tomb. He provides for us. Praise his holy name. Worship him. Thank him. Lift him up. Honor him because he's worthy. And if you don't know him, surrender and put your trust in him so that you can have eternal life. What has God done in his gracious work? He draws us, he teaches us, he feeds us, and he provides for us. Thank him, praise him, take advantage of these blessings. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I'm a child of God. I have surrendered to him, I put my trust in him, but I really haven't been living in the full benefits of my eternal life. And I just want to come to this altar today and say, God... I'm choosing today to be in your house regularly. I'm choosing today to spend regular time in your word. I'm choosing today to spend regular time in prayer. Uh, every day. So that I can receive what you have for me. Live the fullness of the life that you have for me. Maybe there's somebody saying here today, you know, I've been living in these blessings, but I just want to come to the altar to thank God for the good things that he's done for me. I want to invite you to come. Maybe there's somebody here today and you say, you know, I've never trusted Jesus Christ. There's never been a time in my life where I've surrendered. But I am choosing today to surrender my life and to put my trust in him. And um, I, I would love to lead you in a prayer of commitment to receive the gift of eternal life. Isn't that a great thing about Christianity? As we read this verse. They said, what should we do to do the works of God? Jesus says, this is the work of God. Believe on the one he has sent. Put 
your trust in Jesus and eternal life comes as a gift. If you'd like to do that this morning, I'll be standing here at the front. You, you feel free to come down here uh, and I'll, I would be delighted to lead you in a prayer of commitment. Maybe there's somebody here today who's already been saved, but you've not yet made it public and you need to come and make that public. Maybe there's somebody who hasn't yet followed the Lord and believers' baptism and you need to come and make that public. Maybe God has led you to this church and you sense that in your spirit, but you've not yet joined and you need to make that decision uh, to, uh, to be fully involved in what God has for you here. Um, whatever God's leading you to do this morning, I'm going to encourage you to do it uh, here in a moment. We're going to begin to sing um, and uh, you come and do what God's calling you to do when we begin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing provision that you've given to us in your son. Thank you for your teaching work. Thank you for your drawing work and, and for all the things that you do for us. Lord, you're so good to us. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that they would make a decision to trust him.